think it's important for us to spend time with ourselves because if we don't know who we are, then where do we really go from there, right? Because we're going to spend the most times with ourselves. So I found the stillness has allowed me to nurture a better relationship with myself and almost like date yourself. You know, we don't spend time dating ourselves. We spend time everywhere else. This is episode number 11 of Hustle with Harmeet and you'll be listening to my conversation with Gurminder Banga, the storyteller, speaker and a coach. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh and I'm your host for this show. Every week I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Gurminder Banga. To Gurminder, storytelling is everything. Taking off the family business over 10 years ago, he takes all the photography and life lessons he's learned along the way to lead the way for the new era of Banga Studios family. Over the years, Gurminder has developed a fond and growing interest in spirituality and mindfulness. A lover of several meditation practices ranging from breath work, mantra, question or silent meditation, Gurminder is on a journey to uncover more of the teachings of his inner world so he can live by them in his outer world. His practice begins at 5 a.m. daily and the results speak for themselves. More grounding, less anxiety, more love, less fear more conscious choices, and less impulse decisions. His work has been featured and published in BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Vogue, and Harper's Bazaar. He has also interviewed and photographed recognizable faces such as Jay Shetty and Lily Singh for his A Day in the Life project. In today's episode, Gurminder has shared his insights about an exclusive morning routine and how it has added efficiency to his overall work. In the last decade, how photography has evolved from merely clicking pictures to a visual storytelling experience. Key business lessons from his entrepreneurial journey. Tips for people going through body shaming. How to train our limitless mind. Goal setting and positive affirmations in life. Tips for people to stay positive during turbulent times. Learnings from interviewing and photographing personalities like Jay Shetty and Lily Singh for his A Day in the Life project. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number 11. Hi everyone, I'm really excited to introduce to you all the one and only Gurminder Banga who is joining us all the way from Toronto. Welcome to the show Gurminder. Awesome brother, thank you so much for having me on. I love some of the work that you're producing. Thank you so much Gurminder. I've known Gurminder for some time now. The first time I talked to him, I realized he's someone whose life can't be painted with a single stroke of brush. He's always optimistic about life and his energy levels, they are always at level 10. But Gurminder, before we talk to you about the work which you're currently doing, can you please share with us as to how it all started? Would you like to share something about the early years of your life and what kind of culture you come from? Yeah, so... From a from a cultural perspective, um, I'm from a Sikh family. You know, both my parents are Sikh. They grew us. They they raised us that way. So those are a lot of the philosophies and the teachings that we were taught. And I think what kind of later on in life I started realizing is that for me, spirituality is a big component of my life. And a lot of the teachings that they were teaching when I was younger. I wasn't, it wasn't really hitting home for me because I just never understood it. Or, you know, when you're young, you just don't want to listen to your parents. You don't want to listen to, you know, what other people in your religion are saying. That's just not of interest to you. Um, or you're just not even aware of it. So for us, we were somewhat aware of it. And then, you know, as I grew older, 
I started kind of diving a little bit more into some of the spiritual teachings that were out there from different religions. And I really just started kind of trying to implement that into my life and into, into my days. Great. So, Guminder, as they say, and there is this age-old dictum that early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I've always grown up listening to this statement, but sometimes haven't been able to execute it. I still don't belong to that 5am club. But you are someone who loves getting up early in the morning. You have been very vocal about your morning rituals and routine. So can you please share with us, with our listeners, something about your morning routine? And has it really added efficiency to your overall work? Yeah, so I think by far my, you know, my morning routine and waking up early for me personally is what's kind of elevated me, you know, a tenfold in all areas of my life in terms of my work, in terms of our relationships, in terms of, you know, my ability to kind of learn more and absorb more. So for me, it's been massive. But I tell everyone is that it might not be for you, right? Because I know some people, it's like, it's the reverse. It's like they beat themselves up if they don't wake up early enough. But yeah. I want to share is that, you know, it might not be for you. Not every single person has to wake up at 5 a.m. You know, it's not it's not like a mandatory thing that you have to do to experience, you know, those three things that you mentioned. But for me, it's been, you know, massive. It's been something that I've been working towards for over like the last, you know, three to five years. And I want to say the last two years, I kind of really style dialing it in. So for me, every morning I wake up at, you know, I wake up at 4.50 and I pretty much start my routine at 5 a.m. And the routine kind of changes over the years. Like sometimes I would do certain things longer, certain things shorter. But, you know, my intention is always pretty much the same. So when I wake up, I meditate in the morning. Um, Once I'm done meditating, I meditate because I feel like, you know, in the morning when you wake up, and I'm sure everyone can relate to this, is that you don't know how you're going to feel. You know, there's some days where, you know, you feel angry. There's some days you feel upset. There's some days you just don't want to get out of bed. So what I find is that my morning routine allows me to kind of level set with my emotions and with my feelings and then try to connect to you know a higher source or more like a more divine source per se so that's what my meditation practice is about and then after that I tend to have a workout I find for me working out allows me you know to move my body but also it stimulates my mind and it's a constant challenge because there's days that you don't want to wake up you don't want to work out but I find that you know when I move I'm putting more oxygen in blood, kind of circulating through my body. So it allows me to just feel good. So I feel like, you know, I'm productive. And then after I'm done doing that, I like to journal. So currently I'm doing, I journal three pages in the morning. I journal because that I feel allows me to kind of dive into my feelings a little bit deeper. So I, I journal about, hey, what am I feeling today? What do I want to work on? Is there any creative ideas I have? Is there something that someone said that stood out to me? Is there a conversation that me and you have that I want to kind of dive deeper into it's just something that maybe yesterday I got angry at someone and I want to release that emotion. It's pretty much my safe space to express myself in whichever way I choose to. And so then I, so that's pretty much the journaling habit of it. Then once I'm done kind of journaling, I tend, I, I started doing the cold shower routine. When I started, what I always tell people is like, you have to start really small and then you can add on. So when I started right. with the cold shower, I hate the cold even though I'm from Canada, it's cold here, I get it. But I just like no one enjoys having a cold shower. So it forces you to every day do something that you don't want to do. Because in life, there's gonna be a lot of times where you're just like, I don't feel like doing this. You know, I just don't feel like doing it. And that I don't feel like doing this stops you from doing so many things that really matter to you. So when I bring it back to my routine is that the cold shower that allows me to do something that I don't want to do every day. And when I started, I literally started with one foot at a time. I did one foot, then I went to the second foot like the next week. And then I just kind of built my way up to it. So then it's the cold shower. Then after that, I follow, um, I think it's a Robin Sharma principle. I think it's a 90-91. So I spend 90 minutes in the morning doing the one thing that's the most important to me. I try to do that for 90 days. Um, I try to just focus on the one thing that I really want to do. So whether that's work, whether that's, you know, writing something, whatever, whatever it is, whatever matters to me, whatever project I want to work on, right. I try to do that in the morning with no distraction. So that's like in a nutshell what my routine looks like. And that takes me from about 5 a.m., Till with COVID, I've been just kind of extending it till like 10 a.m. But it used to be from like five to eight. So even if you're working a nine to five job, you're able from five to eight, you do your routine and then you're able to get to time on work and, you know, and you've kind of banked those hours. 
and this is very powerful tips which you have shared with us gurinder and you know talking about journaling also that's something which i have found is very consistent in all the high performers and they always talk about starting your day with gratitude or writing about things you want to attract in your life so but yeah gurinder so you have followed these routines for a considerable amount of time now what kind of changes you have experienced in your life post starting out with these routines i think the the number one thing that i've noticed is that i have more clarity i have more clarity in terms of what really truly matters to me in the core i have more clarity about you know where i'm going to spend my time and where i spend my energy and how i'm going to invest that energy and i think i just have more clarity about who are the people that really really matter to me and i think the biggest thing that i found in addition to all of that is that clarity on if you want to do something in life or you want to become someone or whatever that is to you whatever is important to you is that you can start with the smallest step and it doesn't have to be you don't have to jump into something right away and i think that's what scares so many people is like when we set goals we think you have to jump into it right away i got to go right. from 0 to 100 like i need to meditate for like 2 hours a day or i need to work out 7 days a week but it's not that so i got more clarity that hey i can start really small i could do one thing for one minute and it's just building that consistency throughout time and once you kind of learn how to tackle things down from like the smallest steps it makes everything else more achievable cuz you're not so much you're not so focused on what's the result going to be you're just focused on yeah. hey what's the process and what can i do every single day to kind of work towards this like slowly and surely and i think that's been the biggest thing for me in terms of you know giving me that clarity in in my life and and that happens through my morning so i think clarity is a big one and i think the last one is stillness I think it's forced me to be still and I I sometimes think of myself too I'm like I before when I was like you know years ago is that I was never able to be alone I just didn't know how to spend time by myself I never realized it until later on but what I noticed is like if I need to go somewhere it's like I ask my sister hey can you go with me to the grocery store or you know if I have to run an errand hey do you want to come with me or you know just always trying to be around people be around friends just always pretty much distracting myself and not spending time with myself. And right. I think it's important for us to spend time with ourselves because if we don't know who we are then right. where do we really go from there, right? Because we're going to spend the most times with ourselves. So I found the stillness as allowed me to nurture a better relationship with myself and almost like date yourself. You know, we don't spend time dating ourselves. We spend time everywhere else and I don't know, I think that's that's really 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 important. And I think, you know, people we hear often is that, you know, I don't know who I am. I don't know, like you just like this idea that you know, you don't have your own sense of identity or your own sense of self. And I think stillness is what allows that to kind of create and be formed when you do it. So clarity and stillness are two of the top things for me, but there there's so many others that have, you know, it's been monumental to my life. this is very powerful agraminder because i think i really like this idea this phrase of date yourself you know because you got to fall in love with yourself before you go out and conquer the world so that's one point which i picked up and second which i really like what you said is about clarity and as i say clarity is power so yeah that's incredible agraminder uh, thanks for sharing your inputs on that so i believe professionally you started out from an old studio of your photography profession of your dad and you have been into this business for quite some time now so in the last one decade how have you seen world of photography changing from just clicking pictures to now a visual storytelling in itself as you call it yeah would you like to talk something about that totally yeah i think i think you bring up a great point there i think obviously industries have changed over the last decade i think for us in terms of you know from storytelling and photography in general it's it's a day and night difference like when i started what was common was you know people taking family pictures and they're just like you know standing fully straight and stiff <laughs> and you know just that was the look that was what it was it wasn't really yeah. capturing a story it was a matter of just let's just get whatever we get and let's make sure it looks as perfect as possible but you know now as you know different generations have come more technology is available 
people and especially ourselves like we're more focused on you know the true moments that happen and capturing the essence of a moment and capturing that moment and kind of mortalizing it through an image so i think the biggest change has just been the storytelling aspect of it i think it's so much easier for gender like the younger kids to kind of get involved with it like i'm really lucky and i'm really grateful that my dad wasn't like you know the traditional quote unquote south asian family where it's like we just want our kids to have a profession as like a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer yeah. like you know like those are like the main three professions that you know parents want their kids to be and because right. my dad he was an artist at a at a relatively young age and he embraced that art he's never once said hey I don't want you to do that you know so I think I've never mm. had to live with that feeling like oh I'm doing something against what my parents want and I'm sure there are other areas of my life where I did a lot of things against what my parents <laughs> want but this is one of the elements where I didn't and I think what's even when you look a decade over now is that there's a lot of younger people especially in the South Asian industry where their parents are embracing it because they see the passion they see the love they want their kids to you know enjoy whatever it is that they enjoy and now because a lot of people have made you know professional careers out of this parents and families are coming around like hey no this is a reputable career this is a yeah. good job to have and it's not you know they're always going to have people that just want you to be a doctor lawyer engineer accountant that's always going to be there but there's been a shift and I, I see a lot of the younger younger generation out there really embracing their, their passions and you know they're bringing that to life and I think that's that's the I think that's the been the, the biggest beauty out of it over the last 10 years incredible so I believe your father was also in, in the same business you also have been into this photography business for quite some time now so are there any lessons which you felt that probably had you been aware of them before you started this journey would have helped you so maybe two or three key business lessons you wish someone had told you before you started your entrepreneurial journey yeah i think there's um i think from what what made it unique for me was that i was kind of taking over an existing business but there was no there was no really no guidelines or structures because it was kind of like oh here's the business and i kind of just kind of went into it because my dad started another business so it just happened by chance but i think right. over the years some of the things i've learned were a lot of the things that I didn't learn in business school, you know, in business school, they don't teach you, they don't, they teach you how to, you know, run the numbers and look at a business and be strategic. So I got a lot of the strategic sense from them, but they didn't teach you, you know, how do you be more compassionate towards people? You know, how do you build and manage better relationships and build your network around people that you want to spend your time with? You know, I never had to learn how to, um, so I think, yeah, compassion, managing you know your relationships with people i think those are two big ones that i've kind of learned over the years and how important that is because it's not a business is not just you know churning and making money and making income and i think when i was younger that's how i subliminally per perceived it i think i was just i don't know why i thought it that way but that's how i thought I was like hey a business is you know you can become rich and you can become successful and you can do all these things with it which sure it can lead you to that point but now when i think about a business it's really it's your way to be able to serve other people, you know, and right. from your service, then you're able to earn, um, earn an income from it, but you're only earning income because you're actually creating an impact in people's lives. And I right. wish that's something that I was taught a little bit earlier and I was it, I learned it through the journey. I kind of learned it through the process. So I always tell people like, if you're going to start a business, focus on how you're going to serve other people, you know, focus on having compassion for your clients, for your team members, and actually genuinely caring about them. And right. I think lastly is make sure you surround yourself with people in your industry or outside of your industry that are actually going to help elevate you. They're actually going to help you grow. And you're not stuck in that circle of just gossiping, talking shit about other people, and you're just not in that space. So I think those are some of the things that, you know, I wish that, you know, I've kind of learned onto earlier on in my career. Those are really interesting insights, Gurminder, you know, because as Tony Robbins, you know, he's a world-renowned motivational speaker, he says that business is a spiritual journey. If you really want to be successful in business, you got to view it as if it's a spiritual journey, as because you rightly said it's about being compassionate, it's about being showing empathy, it's way beyond just mere profits at the end of the day. Yeah, totally. And I think... Tony has a he's kind of nailed it on the head. I think that's exactly what it is because you're you're going to be more successful 
if you're able to serve more people and impact more lives. You know, that's really what business is. But we were taught that, hey, business is the bottom line and how much money you make. And I don't, you know, I went to business school and I don't remember them talking anything about having compassion for your team, you know, really building your network and how do you actually, what are the soft skills to do that? How to be of service to people? How to, you know, put the customer's needs and wants ahead of yours? I've never really been taught that. So I think it's, it is powerful. I think it is definitely a journey. And when I look at, you know, where I am now is that I attribute a lot of that stuff to what I learned through my business. And I started a lot of this because I wanted to, you know, at the time I wanted to improve my business, but then I quickly realized that, Hey, if you want to be six, if you want to show up differently at work, if you want to see different results at work, you got to make sure that that's also happening in your personal life. Otherwise you can't, you can't be one person at work and one person at home. There's just so much internal conflict there. It's like, it's just not a, it's not a healthy place to be. And so just kind of trying to align both of those is so important. You got to walk the talk, you know, Mm -hmm, totally in all aspects. Uh, So Gamina, taking this discussion ahead with you, there was a time in your life uh, when you had certain negative thoughts about your body. I'm especially talking about the body shaming aspect, you know, you were having thoughts about your legs, how you perceived them, you know, how the world looks at them. So a lot of us go through such kind of thought process about various parts of our body. So how did you deal with that phase, you know, and uh, any tips for people, especially going through body shaming? Yeah, um, I think body shaming happens to a lot of us. And, you know, a lot of people look at me and be like, hey, Grimander, like, what are you body shaming about? Like, you're pretty athletic, you work out, you're, you're fit and all of those things. But I think everyone has some sort of concern, which whichever way it is. And for me, it was like, my legs are so skinny. And I think I don't and I want to relate to like a lot of my South Asian brothers, because a lot of us deal with this. It's like, why do we have such skinny legs and like big bellies? Like it makes no sense. It's just like our genetic makeup. And I used to tell myself, oh, it's because I'm brown. I have skinny legs or, oh, I'm not meant to have. I'm I'm just meant to have skinny legs. That's just what it is. So, you know, then you start. Then I started as I was younger. I wouldn't really deal with that. I would just it was just a, a part of who I was and I would wear long baggy shorts. So you know, people wouldn't see my legs, so I'd kind of try to hide them as much as possible. So what we're doing at the time is that we're, we're trying to hide the things that make us who we are, you know, and I think a lot of times when we're trying to hide the things that make us who we are, we're actually, we're just hiding from the world, right? And I found that instead of hiding from, you know, how I look or how I think I look and how other, it's really how other people, I think other people perceive me to look, I started embracing it for what it truly was. And then once you kind of reframe that a bit, that kind of helps you to get over it and start actually working and focusing on, you know, improving it if that's what you want to do or just accepting it wholly. So what I started doing is, you know, with my body, I'll be like, you know what, like, and some people think, oh, that sounds so weird. Like, why would you do that? Because I guess a lot of people don't hear conversations like this. I'll be like, you know what, I'm so grateful for my legs because they allow me to move, they allow me to walk. You know, I'm so grateful for my legs that they, you know, even when I'm sore, they kind of regenerate themselves and they kind of get them back. I'm so grateful for my legs that I've climbed mountains. I've traveled across the world with these legs. You know, I'm so grateful for my legs because I can get run and play with my nephew. and Like there's so much to be grateful for. But what happens is our minds focus on what we don't have and what we want that we forget what we're grateful for. That doesn't take away how you may feel about it, but it helps shift that perspective. And then over time, you start just being grateful for what it is and accepting that that is the truth, not the truth that you told yourself that it was. Right. Absolutely. I get that. It's about having a mindset of abundance compared to a mindset of scarcity. You know, It's about being grateful for the things you have in life instead of complaining 24-7 about the things you lack in your life. Totally. Yeah, that's a kind of perspective change, a mindset shift, which can help us go through turbulent times. Totally. I think everyone deals with something different that, you know, they just don't like about themselves or they think, you know, quote unquote, makes them look ugly or makes them look bad or people think differently. And, you know, sometimes some of these beliefs and these thoughts that you have about yourself, it's from other people. Like I remember when I was a kid, everyone would make fun of like, oh, this, you have such skinny legs. You know, I used to play a lot of basketball when I was younger and they'd be like, oh, but you have such skinny legs. And then I started believing what other people were saying. 
So sometimes you got to think about it. Are you just believing what other people are saying and then taking that feeling on and taking that emotion on and living that out? Um, or is that really, truly how you feel, right? And I think, and I talk about my legs, but it could be anything. It could be the color of your skin. It could be how big you are, how small you are. It could be how your nose looks. It could be how much facial hair you have. It could be anything. I think we got to learn to just embrace that, hey, this is who we are. This is who we're meant to be. And that's it. And if other people are saying things to, you know, bully you or hurt your feelings, just have compassion for them because their words is what they feel about themselves. So what they're saying to you, imagine how they then feel and talk about themselves. So, you know, just have compassion for them and that's it. And just leave it at that and don't allow their words to become your truth. Right. And I just, just phrase it. Someone's opinion of you doesn't have to become your reality. Totally. Totally. Right. Great. So Gurminda, we spend a lot of our time training our bodies. Every other day when we open up our Instagram, our social media, it's flooded with train your body, transform your body, change your body, right? But at times we end up neglecting or even training our minds. And as you say, as you have said in the past also, Gurminda, that our mind, it's limitless. But how can we train our minds? You want to talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, to that point is that I think it's important to train your bodies, you know, to taking care of the vessel that you have, then the vehicle. But one thing, and I believe it was a Dalai Lama who, who kind of said it, I'm going to rephrase it a little bit, is that human body has a certain limitation to it. You know, no matter how much you train it, based on how we were designed, how our genetics were designed, we're not going to be able to surpass a certain limit. So even if you know you train every day, you have the genetics, and even if you're world-class at it, you're still not going to break that threshold. So like for us, like a human being is probably never going to jump 10 feet in the air. Probably never going to happen because by design, we're not designed that way. Yes, you'll gradually get better at what you do. But when yeah. it comes to our mind is that there's actually no limit to how much we can grow and how much we can expand. So right. there's no limit to how much you can love someone. You know, there's no there's no cap at it. There's no limit to how much compassion you can have for someone, right? There's no right. limit to how much joy you can feel and you can experience. And I think what happens is because our bodies are a little bit more quantifiable, they're a little bit more sh like we can shape, we can see them, other people can see them, we can see those results visually as well is that we focus so much time training our bodies that we then don't train other parts of our minds. And I think how I find, for me, meditation is what allows me to train my mind, right? By being aware of what are the thoughts that are coming, you know, in and out of our mind. Because that's our, that's what our mind, that's how our minds were designed. Our minds were designed to think and to have thoughts. And a lot of wow. people are trying to, they're just like, oh, I can't control my thoughts. My thoughts are racing. But it's like, that's how your mind was designed. It's like, you don't say, hey, my heart is beating. I want my st heart to stop beating <laughs> because right. that's how your heart is designed, right? Your mind that your mind is designed to think. So I think when you meditate, you're able to get a little bit more clarity about, you know, what are your thoughts? How is that leading to your feelings? You start learning to detach yourself from your thoughts and recognize that, hey, it's just a passing thought. It, you don't need to add significance to it. So, you know, some people go to the gym to train their bodies. I like to do that, but I also like to to meditate to then train my mind. From talking about training our minds to slightly taking this conversation towards becoming more disciplined in life. And here, I want to talk to you about something which you have been very passionate about and you have been into one-on-one -on -one coaching also for some time. So can I have your take on goal setting and positive affirmations in life? Yeah, so I found that for me, what works really, really well, and you know, this is currently what I've been doing group coaching on, is transforming who you want to be and focusing on who you want to be, and not so much on what you want to do. But in life, when we, you know, we write our goals or we even look at our day, what's our day going to look like? We just write down, hey, these are all the things I have to do. I have to take out the laundry, have to wash the dishes, have to call this person, have to go to work, have to do, 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 whatever it is that you have to do. So but I fall, I still fall in that trap. And, you know, even like about two years ago, three years ago is that I was leaving the gym one day and I was like, yo, I'm so tired of just doing stuff. Like after a while, it's so exhausting because no matter how much you do, there's always more things 
to be done. So I'm like, I want to switch this completely. And I just want to focus on who do I want to be. And being is your thoughts and your feelings. And I want to just focus on that. And once I focus, I figured out who do I want to be. I then connected that to what I want to do. So anytime I'm doing something, to me, it's not a task item. To me, it's like, hey, no, that's going to help me become who I want to be. And the being is what's really powerful. So like, for example, you know, I wanted to, you know, have better relationships. So what I would start doing is like, how can I have better relationships? Because that's what I want. Relationships matter to me. So I want to be someone that has fostered strong relationships with people that are meaningful. So my to-do would be, you know, I want to make sure I spend five minutes a day to call someone and share with them, you know, why I love them or why I'm grateful for them, right? And I'm giving them the space to share how their day is going as well. So by having that over time, over a week, over a month, over a year, I start noticing that, hey, these relationships, I'm becoming someone where relationships are more meaningful to me. And then any area of your life where you want to become someone, you're able to then associate that with a task or a to-do that allows you to do that. But then when you're doing it, it's like you're not focusing on the task. You're focusing on who you're being and how you're showing up in those moments. So I think that's number one. It's just getting clear on who you want to be with what you want to do. And I think lastly, a big one for us and what I'm sharing with, you know, every all of my students is that let's start really small. One minute a day, five minutes a day, one item a day, whatever it is, let's start really, really small, you know, and it's the small incremental results is what's going to kind of lead into the massive results. But what happens is that when we go on Instagram, when we go online, when we see other people at the top of the mountain, we forget that they've had to take in all those small steps to get to the top. We just see them at the top and then we see them screaming down because they want to bring us up. But it's like, let's just focus on the single steps, you know, one foot another in front of another. And once you focus on that, you start learning to enjoy the process. Absolutely. I really uh, liked what you talked about, Gurminder. You know, don't look at life just from a merely checklist point of view. Don't look at life merely as a to-do list. You've got to look at the bigger picture. you got to look at who you are becoming in the process that matters. Totally. Yeah, I think that, I think the, the main thing, what you said, is that you actually got to love the process. Because when you're passionate about something, you want to wake up and do it every single day. You know, like let's say you're, you're in love. You're in love with your girlfriend. You're in love with your wife. You're in love with your fiance. When you're in love with someone, you want to spend more time with them. You know, you want to take them out for dinner. You want to watch movies with them. You want to hug them. You want to spend time with people that you love, right? But if it's something that, you know, you want to become, if you fall in love with that, you're going to become that. So we got to really fall in love with that journey. I think that's the most, one of the most important things out of, you know, setting goals and, you know, becoming the person that you want to become. Absolutely. I'm really loving this uh, conversation with you, Gurminder. You're dropping in tons of insights from helping us take our lives from good to great. So thank you for your um, incredible insights on that. Well, I appreciate um, you for, for putting this together, man. I know there's a lot of time and effort. No. And I just, I genuinely have a, you know, a deep respect for you for doing this because I know what it goes into. And I, I know, you know, you asked great questions. You really do your research. So thank you f- for as- asking those type of questions that, you know, give your viewers um, the resources that they need to then hopefully change and go from good to great. Thank you, Gurmanda. You're very kind. So this takes me uh, to my next question. You know, I'm really, really looking forward to listen this answer from you. So what's your purpose in life, you know, and what drives you every day? Yeah, so it's a very loaded, loaded question, you know. Sometimes so many of us, we struggle with finding what your purpose is. And I know for myself, I don't even, I don't know if I've like nailed it to a T, but I think over time, I've got more clarity about it. Over time, I'm getting closer to feeling and understanding what it looks like. But it's taken me a lot of time. It takes me a lot of trial and error. I've tried a lot of things to really say, what do I feel is like is my purpose? So right now, the thing that I'm more most passionate about, the thing that really draws you know my attention, the thing that I want to then share with the world and serve to the world is that I really want to help raise and elevate human consciousness. You know, raise oh. people's awareness to 
who they can actually become. Because these are techniques and skills and capabilities that we all have and we all possess within us. And I've noticed as I've dived deeper into, you know, my inner being and into myself, I've been able to, you know, scratch the surface of some of the gifts that are available to me. And I want other people to have that same access for themselves. So I think at the moment is that my purpose is to really help evolve human connection and, and human consciousness. And when I look back in my life, I started realizing that, hey, I was actually doing this in so many ways. I just wasn't able to pinpoint what I was doing. Like even when I when I when we started Banga Studios, it was really about helping my other team members, helping them learn, helping them grow through this internship right. program that we had, because I really wanted them to build the awareness, to build the confidence, to build a skill set. And I really wanted to see them succeed. So I was trying to educate, inspire, and share what I knew with them from even through my business. By the time I never knew that I wasn't aware of it, I wasn't able to pinpoint it. And then, you know. As I got more clarity, I recognized that, hey, this is really what I feel is my purpose. And I want other people to be able to do what it is that they love. Because I think there's so many of us that are robbing the world because you're not fulfilling your purpose. You haven't, you're not looking for your purpose or you just don't even know where to start. So I think it's important that we kind of start diving through that journey. This also reminds me about one of my mentors. He talks about that. You got to live your life to the fullest. Live full and die empty. What if we all can live our lives to the fullest and die empty? You know, it's 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 kind of robbing the grave of its greatness. Mm-hmm. You live your life to the fullest and the day you go to your grave, go empty. I love that. And, you know, all, a lot of the people that, you know, we look up to, a lot of the people that inspire us and move us and change and shift the world, they're living their purpose. And the the thing is that it's not limited to just them. Even though sometimes we may feel that and think that, that hey, it's only for a certain select few, but it's not. It's for every single one of us. Like we came into this world, we all came in the same way. We're all going to leave. And through that journey, it's almost like our duty to find that within ourselves. So, you know, I've, I think like tying back to my morning routine, I think that's kind of helped me kind of lock in and get more clarity on that. And I'm sure over time, the purpose, it may change, but it'll be around the same kind of idea, the same kind of theme, the same type of feeling. This next particular question I'm asking you because you have worked very closely with a lot of people since lockdown, you know, your students, your mentees, you know. So I'm sure you must be getting this question a lot of times that how do we stay positive during these turbulent times and especially this COVID times. Yeah. So this is kind of what, what, what kind of comes to mind when, you know, I think about this is that, you know, if you look at a, like, let me ask you a question. Let me ask, you know, your audience a question. What grows faster when you plant seeds of flowers or when there's weeds? So what grows faster seeds or weeds? (laughs) Right. So it's a question to think about and, what actually grows faster is whatever you water. Absolutely. Right? So if we're watering our weeds, they're going to sprout out and they're going to grow insanely fast. And anyone who has a garden, you know how hard it is to get rid of your weeds. You know, And the only way to get rid of your weeds is if you grab it and you pull it from the root and you pull it straight out. That's the only way to really get rid of weeds. Otherwise, they just keep expanding and they're just all over the place so if you look at our mind as a garden we want to flower seeds we want to grow seeds that blossom show us the flowers provide out the fruit and we want to keep watering our seeds so i think it's so important for us that when we think of ourselves and these negative thoughts these positive thoughts is that water the positive thoughts as much as possible water the seeds because that's what you want to see more in your life. That's what you want to see more in your garden. So the more you water them, the more you, you know, reconfirm them, the more you bring your attention there, it's naturally going to happen over time. Like your weeds, they don't grow in one day or two days or three days. You know, it might be a whole season before you actually see the weeds grow. It might be a whole season before the blossoms bloom. It might be a whole season before you can actually pick the fruits off a tree. So I think it's important right. for us to focus our attention on what is positive and 
that's it. Just keep focusing on that. And every day you're going to have to go back and still garden, right? Like <laughs> when you garden, it's like I see my mom, she gardens all the time and she's out there every day. And I'm like, mom, like you've been here out every day. Like, why you? Why do you still do it? Like, I thought, you know, after a while you're like, you're out, <laughs> like how often do you have to garden? I thought it's like a one and done um, scenario, but it's not because weeds still come up. You know, you still got to nurture the seeds. You still got to water the plants. You still got to fertilize them. You got to plant more seeds. So you still have to do it. And that's just a constant process. And the more we focus on the positive positivity, the more we see and we're able to be grateful for the things that we have, the more we're able to feel and experience that. So I think I always tell people is like, if you had a, if you have like a bank account, imagine you get $3 for a positive thought and one, and you get negative $1 for a negative thought. Ah. Where would you invest your money, right? You right. invest it in what's positive because you want to make more money. So right. let's try to use the same approach with our minds and with our thoughts. And, you know, you can do that through meditation. You can do that just throughout the day. You know, even at the end of the day, if you journal and just write down, hey, these are the five things I'm really positive about. And then even going even further and be like, hey, these are the five negative thoughts I had. But mm. put an arrow and be like, this is what I want to think about it instead. So, hey, that person really pissed me off. I got really angry at them. That's a negative feeling, a negative emotion. Draw an arrow and be like, hey, but I want to just be compassionate for them because I know they're really going through a tough time right now. So right. I'm going to have compassion yeah. and love for them. And I'll speak to them properly tomorrow about how that made me feel. So, you know, start actually tackling some of those negative emotions, those negative thoughts from the root and pulling them out like you would a weed. This is a very appropriate analogy for the mind. You got to make sure that you pour the water at the right places. You got to make sure that you focus your attention either at the seeds or at the weeds because as they say, whatever you focus on expands. So make sure you put your attention, you put your thoughts, you put your money at the right place. Totally. And I think, you know, when it rains, the rain doesn't discriminate between seeds and weeds. <laughs> right. It just rains, right. right? So it's our job to then garden not the rain's job. So even our thoughts, we're going to have both thoughts. It's our job to see how well are we going to maintain our minds. That's on us, right? Because we're going to have both thoughts. You're not immune from negative thoughts. You just get better at, you know, maintaining them and nurturing the ones that make you feel better. So I think it's, I think it's a very, very powerful and relevant topic for anyone that's kind of really challenged with how do you have positive thoughts when there's so much negativity going on in the world. So, Gaminder, I want to Is talk to you about try to focus the project, on the positive, which was the, very the close positive things, but it doesn't mean you neglect project. the negative you things. Know, you had worked with uh, some of the great names like Lily Singh, Jay Shetty, you know. So, I want to talk about that experience of this project of yours and any learnings you had from working closely with these personalities. Totally. So I'll kind of step back and kind of explain how the project started. So how it started was that I felt that I didn't spend enough time with my family. You know, I was just so focused on my work and my career. And there's a lot of people that are guilty of this. And I was one of them. And what I felt was that I wanted to spend more time with my nephew. So at the time, he was two years old. And I literally decided to spend the whole day with him from the moment he woke up out of his crib to the moment they put him back to sleep. So what was that, like a 16-hour day, a 15-hour day? I was with him the whole day. And, you know, that day did something for me. Like that day just kind of made me feel something deeper. It touched me. It touched my soul in a way that, you know, just kind of resonated with me because I got to see, obviously, his life. I got to see how he impacts other people. I got to see how much joy and happiness he is and he brings to our family and also to the community. And I felt in a way that this is something that he's going to cherish for the rest of his life. And I was just so happy that and so joyful that I was able to, you know, do that with him. So once I did that project, I just felt like I was onto something because at the time I was shooting for about 12 years, been, been shooting for about 12 years. So, you know, if you're doing anything for 12 years, you got to find new ways to, you know, reignite that passion. So that's how that day in the life project started. And then when that project started, I reached out to some of my friends that were, you know, in, in the wedding industry, in the event industry, and started doing a day in a life with, you know, people that I knew. And when you spend a whole day with someone, you get to learn so much about them. And, 
you know, when I spent a day in the life with Lily or with Jay, what I found was that you get to learn, you know, how do they treat other people? How do they talk to them? How do they communicate to them? What's their energy levels like? You know, what are the things that matter to them? You get to learn all these things about them that you just, it's not available online because you have to be in the most intimate and vulnerable moments with them to understand this. And, you know, like Lily, we become friends and I've known her before the Day in the Life project because I've done work with her, you know, while she was in Toronto and even while, while I was out in LA is that she would just outwork anyone and everyone. Like her day started at 10 a.m. and we ended at 5 a.m. Yeah, so we were there from 10 a.m. to 5 a.m. straight and just shooting. And I recognize that she loves what she does. That's it. And she's been doing it for a very long time. She probably doesn't have to shoot it or film or do any of that stuff she doesn't want to. But she does it because she's genuinely passionate and loves what she does. And with her is that every day she's doing a lot of us, we run away from fear. The things that we don't want to do, we run away from them. Right. You know, what I've learned through from her is that she learns to embrace them. Doesn't mean she's good all the time. Doesn't mean she's perfect at it. But she learns to run towards it and embrace the fear. And that's what makes her who she is. That's what I feel makes her extraordinary. Because then that gives her like a laser, laser focus that no one else has. And even like a small thing, when I was with her and I was shooting, she's like, Remember the next two hours, just don't talk to me. She's like, I don't mind, do whatever you want, shoot, sit beside me, stand beside me, whatever you want, just don't talk to me because I just really got to focus in. I'm like, cool, done, no problem, right? Whereas sometimes when you're with other people, you start following their schedule and what they have to do, but she's like, no, I, I have to be focused, right? So I think that that's with her. That's one of the things I've kind of learned by spending a whole day with her. With Jay is that he is who he is online. He's the real deal. There's there's nothing else. I have a lot of people ask me, yo, is he the real deal? What's, what's Jay like? And I'm like, he's the real deal. Like, he he's the real deal. He's, you know, um, and what, one thing that was that I found that was really special is that he meets everyone and he embraces everyone for who they are. You know, we met people that are 70-year-olds that love his content. I've met people that were five-year-olds that love what he, what he does. And he treats everyone with the same level of respect, the same level of love. And the same level of, you know, commitment, every single person, whereas sometimes, you know, it's like you see someone that's like popular or cool, or, you know, they can help you in a certain way, you try to spend more time with them and more energy with them. But that's not that wasn't the case from he met everyone where they were at, he gave everyone his full undivided attention. And for me, I'm like, that's powerful. Because so many of us don't do that. Right. And so yeah, so the Day in the Life project, I think it's really, for me, it was a, it was a service-driven, passion-driven project. And I did it because I, at the time, I wanted to capture people's real stories. You know, Instagram doesn't show what's on, doesn't show what's real. It's very curated. And if you spend a day with someone, you get to see what their life really looks like. And it's real, it's raw, it's authentic. And that, that's why I do it. That's why I'm going to continue to do it is for, for those reasons. And by me doing that, I've, you know, been fortunate and lucky enough to work with extraordinary people, be able to share their stories, tell their stories and become good friends with them. So, um, so that, that's the day in the life project. That's the, that's the one of the projects that I'm the most passionate and driven towards. And yeah, thanks for asking, man. Great question. Amazing. I think we all can uh, drive inspiration and take insights from what you have shared with us today. So this takes us to our last segment, which I call the one minute round. So I'm going to ask you a question each. I will have a minute with you to speak on that. Here's what I want to ask you. What success means to you? Success to me means the things that you can count. So how much you love someone, how, how it feels to embrace someone, how much you've grown and elevated, you know, every single day. That's what success means to me. And it never used to mean that to me. It used to mean money, fame, power. And because those are things that you can count. One book which you recommend everyone should read and why? If you're looking into tightening up your morning routine, I would say The 5am Club by Robin Sharma. That is the one book that really kind of helped streamline my process and help me 
continuously get up every single day. I was working on it before. I was doing pretty well at it, but I feel like that is the one book that kind of transformed things for me. What's happiness for Gurminder? I think ha- happiness for me is when when your mind, your body, and even your intuition are all in the same place and they're living in harmony. The last line of your autobiography would read that we all have a special gift and it's your duty to find it and share it amazing so gurinder this takes me to my last question for the day so consider yourself standing in a room you are the only person in that room the lights are dim after a minute someone walks into that room and stands in front of you now this person is a younger version of gurinder he comes and stands in front of you he looks into your eyes and very innocently asks you what's the best way to live life so what would be your answer to this younger version of gurinder great great question if i were to tell my younger self you know to live his best life to live your best life i would say just find a way to be of service to other people find a way to help people and the rest will take care of itself gurminder it's been a sheer privilege talking to you today learning about your journey the incredible work which you're doing and your service to society i think you're really uh, added so much value to our listeners you know so thank you so much for doing this with us today it means a lot to us well you know i'm really really grateful to be here and you know like i said thank you so much for putting this together thank you for being so thoughtful and fine tuned with your questions and i really hope that this hits home for any and all of your listeners for sure thank you gurminder and yes before you leave uh, what's the best way for people to reach out to you Yeah so g.banga that's my Instagram page that's the best way to find me that's where I'm posting you know anything that's kind of relevant in my life right now the the the, the projects that I'm supporting right now it's all on g.banga and from there you can kind of tag into my business which is banga studios but I'll say g.banga is the best way to find me online Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Harmeet if you're listening to us on iTunes Please don't forget to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on harmeetspeaks@gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with harmeet for all the latest updates. I'll catch up with you all next week. And yes, remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. Keep working hard, keep moving ahead and keep hustling. Because one day your success will make all the noise. This is your host Harmeet Singh signing off. Goodbye.